Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here today. A minor miracle on this one day out of the year. <laughs> uh, good to see you here. Even though our clocks outright lied to us this morning, <laughs> and the coffee cup had to be filled twice, hey, we made it. So praise God for His grace in getting us here today. And I hope your heart is ready to receive the word um, I want to invite all of you here this morning to take your Bibles and turn, if you would please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to travel into the New Testament of our Bibles this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. While you're turning, I just want to say how thrilled I am that you are all with us this morning to worship, uh, whether you're visiting with us or a regular attender. Praise God that you came to worship this morning. I pray that your heart is full of God's Word today. Uh, we are not here, as we often pray, we are not here to try to present their latest, greatest entertainment. We are here to study God's Word, to glean from God's Word. And I pray that your heart's been prepared for this. Also, a quick word for, uh, of prayer. Please pray for this. Pray about your part with the upward football program this spring, an outreach program. Author Gorman and the, the team there, Les and the team, is putting this together. They're preparing, and they need volunteers. They need coaches. Uh, so if God's laid it on your heart, um, would you act on that? And if God has not laid it on your heart, would you pray that God would lay it on your heart? <laughs> Whatever the case, we need some volunteers to help out in that ministry. What a phenomenal outreach opportunity uh, for uh, sports ministry, uh, I would just ask that you would just simply pray that if God would open your heart to that, that you would be open. All right, so here we are, week three of our four-week journey, a mini-series we're doing called Heart Healthy Christians. I hope your heart's already been blessed. We've been kind of trudging through some of the, the darkness of the Bible, <laughs> the heavy stuff. I mean, what am I talking about? Well, we're talking about the sin and corruption of our spiritual hearts. Heart-healthy Christians, as we see clearly in the Scripture, every human being is not only born with a physical heart, but also we have a spiritual heart. When we think about this spiritual heart, this is, this is who you really are on the inside. This is the center of your unseen person. This is what we've been talking about. So just as everything in life flows from your physical heart, even so, everything we do in life flows from our spiritual heart. Who we are on the inside. What God is doing on our hearts. Two weeks ago, uh, we were predominantly in the beginnings of our Bibles. We kinda, we're kind of doing this journey all the way through our Bibles like a biblical theology of the heart. We were in the beginning of our Bibles, and it was dark. The corruption of our heart through the sin of Adam. We looked at this key truth. Although initially created pure, the human heart became morally corrupt at its core. We kind of dialed in on this text thousands of years later that, that so precisely summarizes the condition of our heart. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or wicked. Who can understand it? Well, the Lord answers. (laughs) I, the Lord, search the hearts and test the mind. We kind of dialed in on that fact. And then last week, we were in the rest of the Old Testament. We We just flew through all of that. And what did we see? The very practical struggles of our inner being, our spirits, our hearts, who we are on the inside. And we see this revealed from the struggles of the Old Testament Scriptures. Here's the key truth we looked at last week. Because of its corruption, the human heart will struggle to respond to God and His blessings with complete trust. We highlighted 2 Chronicles 16.9, if you remember. What a powerful passage of scriptures uh, said to the kings in the, in the time period of the kings. And here it is. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is completely given to Him. Some of your translations will say, whose heart is loyal. Whose heart is fully committed to this God. He's searching for that person. Obviously, we run into a massive struggle because of the still true corruption of our hearts. Well, as you go through the Old Testament, you find this promise. And you can already tell this is going to be exciting. (laughs) There's a promise. That struggle of your heart, guess what? It's not permanent. Someone's going to come to fix that. The Messiah is going to come. The Rescuer is going to come. We find revelation of this Messiah. Jesus, the promised Messiah. He would come. As we, come, we, as we travel through the Old Testament, we come to this area called the prophets, the major minor prophets, and as we often know in our studies. And we find this, this beautiful description of what this Messiah is going to do. He is not just going to fix things on the outside. He is going to fix our hearts. That's what this Jesus is going to do. Well, 2,000 years ago, at the precisely right time that God had ordained, Jesus came to confront the condition of the human heart, the spiritual heart. The fact is this. Jesus came to reach deep inside of us and to fix our hearts. Here's the key truth that we want to dial in on today. As the promised rescuer, Jesus confronted the condition of the human heart. He confronted it. He hit it straight on. I mean, think about this. What were even the disciples looking for from Jesus? Jesus, you're going to automatically set up this physical type kingdom. Jesus, you're going to confront the Romans. When are you going to start it? When are you going to do it, Jesus? And what does Jesus say? I know there's issues going on in Rome, but before we even get there, where are we going to get? We're going to go deep down into your heart. Let's look at your heart. What is your heart saying about you? What are the propensities of your heart? Today I want us to look at this fact, but I want us to start in a wonderful text. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It's on the bottom of your handout here, the very last verse, but I want us to start and finish with this verse today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, because this says a lot about what God Almighty is doing and has done to the heart. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So just like God Almighty, through Christ, we find very clearly in Scriptures that through the means of Christ, God Almighty created the world. We can go directly to one passage after another, particularly Colossians. Go to Colossians, that through Christ, in Colossians 1, through Christ, God created the world. God Almighty, through Christ, commanded the light to shine out of darkness in Genesis 1-3. But this is the beauty of the stories of your Bible, right here, right now. That one in your lap, that in the beginning of all time, in the beginning of this world, God commanded light to shine out of darkness for His creation. Guess what Jesus is doing? Right now even. Jesus is shining the light of the glorious gospel in our hearts. God Almighty, through Christ, has shown His light into the hearts of His new creations through His glorious gospel. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to confront the heart. When we're talking about confront the heart, we're talking about exposing the heart. But it's more than just exposing it, as we'll see today. We're going to look at two points today about what Jesus did to our hearts. Not only did He expose our hearts, I mean, we better go out of here with a big smile on our face about to jump to the skies. But he came to fix our hearts. That's what we're going to look at today. How did he do all of this? How did Jesus rescue us from our own heart conditions? Well, let's start with the first one there. Jesus confronted the heart through his ministry. All right? You want to dial in on one or two occasions where Jesus talks of the heart? You cannot. Why? Because it was his entire ministry that he dealt with the heart. Um, we're going to try, try to pinpoint six or seven of these today. But I want us to start off with recognizing the fact that Jesus deals with this. His entire ministry. To his disciples. To, those, to anyone he ministers to. He's talking of the heart. Let's do this today though. Let's start in Matthew chapter 5. What is Matthew chapter 5 through 7? You remember this? This is the Sermon on the Mount. All right, This is amazing. The sermon consumed with the heart. A lot of times we think of Jesus setting up these kingdom ethics. How does he start when setting up his kingdom ethics? He goes right to the heart. Um, as we touched on a couple weeks ago, the book of Matthew, so the first book in your New Testament, the book of Matthew is written primarily to Jewish worshipers. As such, Matthew is continually connecting the ministry of Jesus back to the Old Testament. Undeniable as you work through Matthew that Matthew is connecting through the Spirit. He's connecting the ministry of Jesus back to the promises and descriptions of the Old Testament. I mean, there are so many similarities between Matthew's writings, even and 
Moses' writings, the one who the Spirit used to write the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. Matthew is promoting the fact that Jesus, and I love this, and I'm just mentioning this, Jesus is the greater Moses. Jesus is, and the, the terms are actually used here in Matthew, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law of Moses. I mean, just think about this. For example, I don't think it was a mistake that Matthew, a meticulous, detailed writer, records five discourses of Jesus, five discourses that can clearly be compared to the first five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. Think about this with me. God's old covenant ethics were shared by God through Moses where? On the Mount of Sinai. On a mountain. Think about what Jesus Christ is doing in his first discourse here. He's taking his disciples up into a high mountain apart. Uh, and he's teaching them. And what is he teaching them? His kingdom ethics. The old covenant ethics were taught at Mount Sinai. The new covenant ethics are taught by Jesus on a mountain. The first five books of Moses start with God shining his light into darkness. The first discourse of Jesus, as recorded by Matthew, talks about Jesus shining his light in our hearts. It's beautiful. The Sermon on the Mount is all about what Jesus is doing to confront the hearts. Think with me of what he says in the Beatitudes. I mean, the whole Beatitudes section. But what does he say in verse 8? Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Not only does he describe the heart, he confronts it. And I want us to go to chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. On the back of our handouts, I put this. Here's what Jesus says when he confronts the condition of the heart. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his what? heart. I mean, this is a people that consumed, which not that different from the culture we live in today, consumed with just doing all the right things on the outside. And what is Jesus saying? Oh, whoa, whoa. Let's not start there. Let's go to the heart. Jesus doesn't just address the outward sin of adultery. He confronts a heart that participates in adultery. Adultery, sex outside of the marriage union, is clearly a product of the corruption of the unsatisfied heart from the fall of Adam in the garden. This is part of our culture today in the 21st century in a massive way. Undeniably so, it is part of our culture today. Even though we have essentially become desensitized to it, think about this. The desensitization to sex and morality and adultery, it's everywhere. As the adage goes, sex sells. This makes it happen. And the temptation of the modern day believer in contemporary culture is, hey, let's just deal with this and get this right. Where Jesus Christ himself wants to go to our hearts. 
This is the confrontation of the heart. Jesus doesn't just address the outward actions of, conform, of immorality. Those are dealt with later on in the New Testament. By the way, he doesn't ignore those. <laughs> he doesn't just say, come on, everybody, stop sleeping around. <laughs> no, he confronts the adultery of the eyes that come from the adultery of the heart. Let's continue on. Here's another confrontation. Jesus confronted the heart. When he comes onto the scene, Jesus, God in the flesh, when he teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, he not only teaches about this heart that, has, that participates in adultery, he teaches about a heart that, oh man, this one gets us. Lays up treasures on this earth. We're talking about a Jesus who didn't have a place to lay his head. This Jesus says in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And you would kind of think, okay, great. That was a great suggestion, Jesus. But he goes beyond that. What's the description in verse 21? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is this? Jesus confronts a heart that lays up, stores up, is consumed with treasures on this earth. In other words, the insatiable desire for more and more and more. And it comes directly from an, from an unsatisfied heart. In other words, if we are treasuring the things of this life more than the things that matter for the next life, we have a serious what kind of issue? Heart issue. By the way, how, how prevalent is this today? <laughs> My goodness. We live in this consumeristic, materialistic world that says you need and need and need and need and need. More and more and more and more and more. Sad fact is how prevalent this is in churches today. Jesus' people. I was talking to my son this week, David, and we were both astounded at this car. He likes talking numbers and stuff like that. Dad! a 70 million dollar car and we both looked at each other and said are you kidding me who would ever do that when millions of people are starving around the world that's what our conclusion was all right how would you do that but then i thought about the temptations of my own heart brother brother sisters this is where it's at i need this i need that I need more of this. I need more of that. By the way, praise God, and I want to say this very clearly. Praise God for godly followers of Jesus who have a right priority with the treasures that God's given them. And I've, I believe there are dozens of them here in this church. Nonetheless, when Jesus Christ comes and he teaches on the Sermon of the Mount, not only does he talk, talk about a heart that participates in idolatry, he talks about a heart that is given to storing up treasures in this earth. He doesn't just talk about the treasures, he goes to the heart. 
I want us to look at a couple other passages. Let's look at Matthew 12, verses 34 through 36. This is Jesus confronting a heart that produces evil words. Um, Very direct words from Jesus Christ. (laughs) Would you look with me at verse 34? It's also on the back of your handout. Jesus confronts these self-righteous Pharisees who have all of this stuff together on the outside. And how does he... How does he acknowledge them? You brood of snakes. <laughs> you don't hold back at all. I mean, these are people that have all the stuff together on the outside. They do all of the right things according to the Jewish law. The Torah and all of the dozens and dozens of verbalized laws. They got it all together. And Jesus is looking at them and says, You brood of vipers. How can you speak good When you are evil, for out of the abundance of the what, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And those careless words come from where? The heart. Jesus doesn't just attempt to fix words. He goes right to the heart. He confronts a heart that produces evil words. Again, how appropriate is this in the world we live in? Think about this. Vulgarity, profanity. It's rampant. And I'll be, I mean, if I could just expose what God's doing in my own mind. Because I have children that are being raised in this kind of a culture. And the tech and the videos, the TikTok videos and unguarded memes and profane music clips. You know what I find myself often doing? I just get so mad. I'm upset. And I find myself thinking, how could you ever post that? Don't you know? You know what? God's reminding me. Andrew, what, what do you expect from a corrupt heart? A heart that doesn't know Jesus. A heart that has not been regenerate. A heart that has propensities towards that kind of profanity and vulgarity. What else would you expect? This is language that should have no place in the life of a believer. But honestly... It is to be expected as it is coming out of unregenerate hearts. This is exactly what Jesus says. Where's your heart? 2,000 years ago, Jesus goes right to the heart. Let's look at another passage. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This is a heart that will not forgive. Oh dear, pastor, please don't go here. That's how I felt, feel often. In this passage, Jesus shares with his disciples the parable of this unforgiving servant. And you understand, you un- you've heard this parable before. A servant who had been forgiven an enormous debt by his master. Okay, let's just dial in on that. He had been forgiven an enormous debt by his master. But then... This is a servant who could not find it in himself to forgive the small debt in his peer servant. 
Jesus says this in Matthew 18, and I'm just going to go to verse 32 through 35. This is your homework this week. Go to verses 21 through 35. But let's just dial in on 32 through 35. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Verse 33. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. This enormous debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother. What's the last three words? From your heart. Okay, that passage needs a ton of explanation that we're not going to have time for today. But I want to dial in on this thought that Jesus, when he confronts the forgiveness, the unforgiveness of these people that have been redeemed of, or, or forgiven of this massive debt, he goes right to the heart and he says, guess why you're not forgiving? It's because you have a heart that won't forgive. By the way, this is no different from hundreds and thousands of Christians sitting in church pews this very day. These are believers or supposed believers who will not release the bitterness of their own hearts. All right, let's go to one more passage when talking about Jesus' ministry. And this is his ministry of confrontation. Uh, a lot of times we get this ministry of Jesus, that he's just coming, you know, loving on everybody, and he does. He heals people, and he goes around and does these things. I'm going to tell you, the ministry of Jesus is very confrontational um, in, a, in a gracious way. But there are times when he just speaks it as it is, confronts. I want us to look at another passage when he confronts the self-righteous Pharisees. And let's do this. Let's read all the way through verses 1 through 13. Please follow along. I'll read this story and give a brief explanation at the end. Again, we're giving you lots of homework this week. <laughs> Dial in. Read these passages. Verse 1, Jesus confronting the Pharisees. Verse 1 says this, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Verse 3, For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands properly holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came, or when they had come from the marketplace, they did not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. All of these traditions that Mark is bringing out here. Verse 5, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with deviled hands? Oh man, when I get to heaven, I want to see a replay of this. He said to them, I mean, he, did, he didn't even beat around the bush. What does he say here? He said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites. So he's called them a brood of vipers, now he's calling them hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father. Here's an example. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And whoever uh, reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father and his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his mother or father. Verse 13, thus making void the word of God by your own tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. What is this? The Pharisees were super good at finding loopholes. Finding these loopholes where they could do what they want, but still kind of get away with it. And, and still be in line with their traditions. And what does Jesus Christ say here? Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? This people honors me with their, heart, their lips, but their heart is far from me. I've just been consumed and confounded by this this week. I, re- I really think this is what Mark is saying. The Holy Spirit through Mark is saying, Jesus says. He's confronting a heart that is deceived by outward displays of worship. It's verses 1 through 7. But also, a heart that ignores God's clear revelation for my own comfort. Lest we jump all over the Pharisees here. How good are we at these very things, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? We must remember that just because we get everything right on the outside does not mean our hearts are healthy. Just because we come to corporate worship every Sunday does not mean our hearts are healthy. Just because we check off that we read our Bibles daily does not mean our hearts are healthy. Just because we attend every prayer meeting does not mean our hearts are healthy. Just because we faithfully serve in sacrificial ministry does not mean our hearts are healthy. Just because we cross our theological T's and dot our liturgical I's does not mean our hearts are healthy. All of those things could be good, just like we mentioned a couple weeks ago. I read through those things a couple weeks ago. Now Jesus is clearly saying this in Mark chapter 6. Um, in a very practical way. I was thinking about this week, this this week, and God brought to mind a situation. I mean, when you have a family, uh, there's different snapshots that happen as you're raising your kids, and there's one of them that comes to mind often about this. Uh, when we put our kids to bed, we try to gather together, kind of have a huddle before we go to bed, talk about the ways, of, the things of the day, share a gospel truth, or read a passage of scripture, and pray together, and then go to bed. Well, a lot of times then, my wife and I will follow the kids to bed and say goodnight, especially the younger ones. The older ones will stay up for hours and hours and hours and hours later, and keep their parents up. I'm preaching to them right now. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but the, the younger ones, we'll say good, good night to them. And we'll follow them in the room. And I remember a couple years ago, with one of my daughters in particular, she was, I think, four at the time. Um, I won't 
say who she was, which one it was. Her initials are Cela Grace. And so I was putting Cela Grace to bed. And uh, I, we were talking about this deep gospel truth. I, I mean, Kara, it was probably six and Seal was four and they looked like they were engaged in what we were talking about probably just tired of their dad talking dad would you stop talking but they were talking and thinking and I remember we went to her room their room and Sela just had this inquisitive look on her face and I was followed her in there into her room and saying good night and she just was really thinking about this and I was thinking man Sela maybe man maybe she's really thinking about this gospel truth of the the sinner's heart because this is what we've been talking about you need Jesus to clean your heart we talk of that regularly. Your problem is that you have a dirty heart. You need Jesus to clean your dirty heart. And we carried on into this conversation in her bed, and she's just really thinking about it. And I said, Sela, do you realize that what we talked about tonight? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks, looks really intently at my face. And, and um, she stops and says, Dad. And I'm like, yes, gospel truth is happening. There's going to be a response here. Dad, I got a hangnail. That was what was concerning her in all all this conversation we had. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. Gospel truth is happening. We're getting somewhere. And it's like, Dad. I'm thinking she's going to say, yeah, Dad, I need Jesus to clean my heart. Dad, mm, i got to hang now. But, you know, I walked out of that room and I thought, that's so me. Every day, God Almighty's like, hey, I want to see your heart. I see your heart. I want you to think about your heart. And what am I consumed with? This little issue of my life and this little issue of my life and getting this just right and this just right. And God Almighty said, yeah, but what about your heart? I think that's what Jesus Christ is saying to these Pharisees in Matthew chapter 7. Oh, you're being deceived. Your heart is being deceived by outward displays of worship. Your heart is ignoring my clear revelation. Let us look to your heart. So when we think about the ministry of Jesus here on this earth, very clearly, he's going to the heart. He doesn't hold back. Praise God, the sermon's not going to end right there because it would be three weeks of doom and gloom. (laughs) Because now we have beautiful transition into how Jesus deals with the heart. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to look at these two passages that say it all. I mean, we're going to touch on them because, quite honestly, we're going to exposit these in the next couple weeks. We're going to look more deeply at these in the next couple weeks and months. But I want us to look at this fact that Jesus Christ, when He came, He didn't just confront the heart through His ministry and His teaching. Jesus Christ dealt with the heart on the cross. He went to the cross to deal with our dirty hearts. Romans 5. I want us to meditate on this for a couple minutes. In this wonderful passage, Romans 5 talks of justification. This is God's declaration of righteousness to those who have placed their faith in Him. A wonderful concept that we're going to talk about when we get to Romans. But there's something said in here about the involvement of the heart in all of this. We're talking about a heart that needs God's love to save them. Would you look with me at verse 5? I mean, there's so much more to this about justification and peace with God. But in verse 5, as we kind of intersect right in the middle of this passage, which I hate to do, but for sake of time today, I want want us to do this. 
Hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Yes. I mean, this is talking about tribulations that we're going through. It's tribulation that we work through these tough times and the discouragement that comes. And what do we do? We trust that God's love has been poured into our hearts. So, verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one, scarcely, uh, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, we did nothing to deserve this. We're wretched sinners, and these wretched sinners God looks at in His mercy and grace and kindness, and He looks deep into our hearts. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. What is this, brothers and sisters? Verse 5, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Jesus did not just come to confront the corruption of the heart through his teachings. No, no. Jesus came to confront the corruption of the human heart through his cross. Jesus died to pay for the sins of our hearts. And Jesus rose again to conquer the sins of our hearts. Simply this, Jesus came to save you and me from our own hearts, the conditions of our hearts. Through true faith in Christ, God's love, and I love the imagery here, God's love has been poured into our hearts. Those hearts that were corrupt from the origins, from the sin of Adam, that heart that struggled all the way through the Old Testament, God in His grace and His mercy and His kindness sent Jesus, God in the flesh, to go to that sinner's cross to pay for that sin of the heart and to pour His love into our hearts through His Holy Spirit. I want us to look at another passage. A heart that needs God's love to save. This is what Jesus confronted through the cross. And a heart that needs God's light to shine. This is great. In 2 Corinthians 4, 1-6, we find the description of a heart that needs this light to shine. I'm just going to read verse 3-6. through six. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, who is whom? Satan has blinded their minds, the minds of the unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. 
For what we proclaim is not ourselves, Paul says, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sakes. And then here it is. For God said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. Brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, through the ministry of the cross and the resurrection of Christ, God has shown His light into the deep, dark corruption of the human heart. God has shown His light into the deep, dark struggles of the human heart. The struggles that you're going through right now. Let me just take a minute and let this sink in. On the cross, Jesus paid it all. Let me just sing a song like that. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid for my sin, the sin of my heart, so that I don't, I don't have to pay for the sin of my heart. Think about that. In His love and mercy and grace and kindness, He not only came to expose the true nature of the heart through His ministry and His teaching, He came to fix our hearts, to pour His love into our hearts. So what? Well, I think we need to ask this question as we close out today. What would Jesus say about your heart? You thought about that? What would, what would Jesus say about your heart right now? We, we pray in this almost every week. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Second uh, Chronicles 16.9, the Lord is searching to and fro, looking for someone whose heart is loyal to him. What, what would Jesus say about your heart? What if you were one of those people that Jesus lovingly confronted in his ministry? What would he say about your heart? Ultimately, he would say one of two things. He would say this. Through faith, your heart has been cleansed. Or he would say through rejection, your heart remains to be dirty. Well, that leads us to another question. Has Jesus transformed your heart? For some in this room, by faith you need a new heart. If I could just say this very clearly. You need a new heart. You need a heart transplant. A heart transformed from sin to righteousness. And the only way you can do that the only way you can find this heart transplant is through the cross of Jesus Christ. That He paid for your sin to give you a new heart. And I would simply ask this. Would today be the day when you come to Jesus in faith and watch as He cleans that dirty heart? Don't delay Repent of your sins and come in faith to Jesus today. Today is the day of rescue. Would you come to Jesus today? 
There's some young ones that have been listening, and they're listening super good. I mean, we're talking about fourth, fifth, sixth graders, and you're trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I would say, as you put this puzzle together, as you figure this out, you're going to constantly have to be reminded that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Would you believe in Jesus today? There are some teenagers in this room right now that you've been wrestling with this for some time. I know it. Is Jesus worth it? I try to stand here every single Sunday and remind you teenagers that Jesus is worth it. You can't clean that dirty heart. You cannot make God love that dirty heart. The only way that He can accept your heart is through pouring His love, the love of Jesus Christ into your heart and giving you a new heart. Would you come to Jesus today? For others in this room who have already come to Christ by faith, how clean do you keep that new heart of yours? This is what we're going to talk about next week. Is it time for a deep clean? Don't delay. I mean, you don't have to wait till next week to ask God to search your hearts. I will tell you next week we're going to see the beauty of what God is doing through the Spirit in our hearts to grow us in Him. But here's a question. Have the treasures of this world tainted your once pristine heart before God? Remember remember the joys that, that came into your life when you first came to Jesus by faith? You couldn't be distracted. You're like, I'm a Jesus person. What treasures have tainted that pristine heart? Like that dog looking at the squirrel. (laughs) Squirrel? My heart so often goes after the treasures of this world. What is your heart treasuring? What sins of your flesh have calloused your once sensitive heart? Would Would you think on that? Would you pray with me this week that God would show us the callousness of our own hearts? As we prepare for our final study next week and prepare to launch with Pastor Matt on this year-long study, working through our dynamic hearts and daily lives, would you pray that God would reveal the calluses on your own heart? I will close with a passage that I've been meditating on this week. and I can't get it out of my mind. It's in Ephesians 5. It's talking about husbands, love your wives. But then we find this picture of what Jesus has done for the church. Well, let this sink in when it comes to how Jesus is washing our hearts. How He's washed our hearts positionally and how He is washing our hearts practically progressively every single day Ephesians chapter 5 Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the heart that we're going to talk about next week. Please come back next week as we talk more of the joys and responsibility of this cleansed heart.
So God, thank you for the time we could spend in your word today. I thank you that when Jesus came on the scene, when Jesus started his earthly ministry, his people were convinced of the fact that he needed to go right to set up this, this physical kingdom. Rather, he went straight to the heart. Thank you, God. Thank you that we have a Savior that doesn't just fix us on the outside. We have a Savior that through the cross can fix our hearts. We have a Savior that could promise, that, that provides for us this forgiveness that was promised in Jeremiah by Ezekiel, this new heart. Thank you that it is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray that we would never become tired of hearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, both brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are here that have never come to Jesus Christ in faith, would you, would you pray with me right now something? Would you pray that right now in this moment of quietness that you would see your heart the way Jesus sees your heart? We're real good at trying to mask our hearts, put on a face on the outward, dress up just right, carry our Bibles just right, talk of all the right Jesus talk. But where's our heart? There's some today that need to come to Jesus in faith. And again, I would say this, don't delay. I'm going to invite right now the chaplains to come forward. Just a couple of our chaplains, would you come and pray at the front? Be ready to, get, to pray with those at the front. Go ahead and come now if there's any chaplains. There's some of you who have been wrestling through this, and I don't often do this. But I would encourage you. If God has laid on your heart that you need to come to Him in faith today to repent of your sins and see Him cleanse your heart, would you take care of that right now? Would you call on Him to save you? Would you come talk to one of our chaplains here who would love to lead you to see Jesus more clearly? I'm not going to belabor this. But if there's one or two of you out there that are struggling with this, would you respond in faith right now? Others here, and I would presume most of us here, have come to Jesus Christ in faith. Would you also pray this week, pray right now and as it carries into this week, that you would see your hearts the way Jesus sees your hearts? I absolutely love the song and pianist playing right now. Search me, O oh God, and try my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me.
know this heart of mine. Try me, my Savior. Know my thoughts, I pray. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is not a game. I think we're all aware of this. Eternity is not a game. Our walk with God is not a game. And our prayer is that we are serious about this walk with God. As we pray this week, pray that God prepares our hearts to receive the instruction of the didactic teaching, the teaching of the New Testament next week in regard to our hearts. So God, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. You're exposing the true nature of our hearts, but more than that, you're encouraging our hearts with the love of Christ, forgiveness and kindness of Jesus. Through Jesus, your love has been poured into our hearts, and we thank you for that. I pray, God, as we go our ways today, we would leave with a big smile on our face because Jesus has cleansed our hearts and set us free. But then let us also carry with this smile the responsibility of every day this week walking with Jesus with pure hearts. We truly embrace the teaching of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Thank you for the time we could spend in your word today. Pray that you continue to grow us by your word this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your attentiveness today. Again, as we pile through a lot of other stuff, we move quickly through this in our journey. Um, I would encourage you again, this, come next week as we encourage our hearts in the, in the joys and responsibilities of the new covenant heart. Uh, we're going to close out with a song that reminds us that there's nothing we can do to clean our own hearts. It's Jesus, only Jesus. So we're going to close out with that song. Some of you came this morning ready to share of your resources. Again, we're not going to pass any offering plates around today. Um, but there are boxes in the back if you'd like to participate in that.